Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than Stand Up. I'm Brian Lamont. So in the last two episodes, you had a conversation where myself, Justin, uh, Mark, and Patrick had a conversation about sprint backlog logistics. And because we are faster than a stand-up, we had one very long conversation that actually went for 30 minutes, and we trimmed it into two episodes. So in this special edition, we're going to combine those two episodes and break our rule once again that we are faster than a stand-up. So if you already listened to episodes 57 and 58, cool, you can have this episode for free. Uh, they're free anyway, but special edition, enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. I'm Mark Herbal. I'm Patrick Dodd. And joining us, friend of the pod, Justin Chrysostomo. Justin, hello. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. In this iteration, we're going to have a little conversation about the logistics of sprint backlogs specifically the what, the who, the why, and the how. So if you don't want to listen to this, I'm saving you 15 minutes of your time right now because this could get really granular. Here's what's happening. We're all working with teams where conversations over the responsibility for how much detail needs to be on a backlog item and how that gets resolved. We might have multiple episodes of this. I don't know how this is going to go. So Patrick, I always like to start with you. Walk me through the difference between a sprint backlog and a product backlog. So the sprint backlog is a backlog of work that is prioritized, that is committed to within the sprint, in sprint planning. So people working in the sprint can pull off the top of the sprint backlog as they complete their work during the sprint. They pull something else up and they ideally complete the whole thing. The product backlog is the entirety of requests features, roadmap items, bugs, any work item that exists that the team has been requested to do. So ideally a sprint backlog should be uh, completely refined, should have good acceptance criteria, and the, the team should have a shared understanding of what those different stories are. A, a product backlog may not have gotten there yet because in some cases it still needs to have been refined. Right, so Mark, how much detail actually needs to be on an item in a product backlog? Notice how I said product backlog as opposed to sprint backlog. When we rewrote the user stories class, um, one of the last slides in one of the sections is a three by five index card picture. And that's all that's on the slide. And to remind people that traditionally used a three by five index card. And for those of you in the EU, we didn't forget you, it's called an 87. I had to go look it up. Um, it, it constrains you front and back to a story and some acceptance criteria that are fairly quick to read and understand. It places a real premium on how much information you put in and, and really the premium is on how specific you are in, the, in, in, in what you're looking for. So. I can argue that how much do you need? Uh, we've seen with, with JIRA, we've seen teams that write novels about what their acceptance criteria are. And while, and, and oftentimes, just as a tip off for me, if the novel includes a whole bunch of implementation detail, it's because there's not good separation between let's say refinement and, and, and sprint planning. Um, so I would say, I go back to what Einstein said, make it as simple as possible, as possible, but not simpler. 
Okay. I know that so, wasn't an absolute answer. That's a relative. Nope, that's fine. So, Justin, I got the Einstein pun there, Mark. <laughs> so let's let's take it a step further. So in a product backlog, you could have enough detail, maybe. Although it's it, depending on where it is in the backlog, it could be a little bit of information. It could be some information. It could actually be a volume of information. When it gets to the sprint backlog, Justin, how much information needs to be on the backlog item? All right, I'm going to answer your question by not answering your question. Um, and I'm going to respond to your... Look, it's, it's political season in the US. <laughs> that's completely cool. I've yeah, been, I've been no, watching it's... debates. Uh, but also, I'm going to take your, let's take it a step farther and actually take it a step back. Because I think a uh, question to the room right back at you is, is there a difference there between a Scrum team and a Kanban team? And uh, the answer I would have to that is uh, sorta because both will have a continually narrowing cone of uncertainty, right. right? The farther away the story is from being worked on, the less detail it needs um, at, to a diminishing, a point of diminishing returns. So the Kanban and, Sprint and, and Scrum are both the same in that regard, I, I would, I would uh, opine. I think what we get into though, with regard to Sprint backlogs, and this is where I'll answer your question now, um, even though it is an election year, um, the sprint backlog needs enough detail to understand the problem that's going to be solved, what success looks like, and for at least a minimum number of team members to be able to work on it. Not all. Uh, there are there are going to be instances where all team members do not have the skill set to be able to work on it. The commitment as a team comes from, by saying we as a team recognize we can succeed in this way. We can solve the problem stated. It will look like the the vision of success the product owner has laid out. So I'm going to take that piece that you just said, where a, num a number of people on the team. So Patton says it only really needs to be one between. And he assumes only one person will work a ticket. Correct, right? To your point, absolutely. So Patrick, how many is enough? And first off, I want to say, Justin, thank you for bringing up two things. One that we're talking about Kanban and and Scrum. Two that you have the cone of uncertainty because that's one of my favorite images of all time where it's like, anywho. Wasn't right. that in Get Smart or that was a different cone? <laughs> that was, wow. That, was, that cone I wish I had. <laughs> cone of shame. Well, right. Cone we, of silence. But yeah, I'll take we, a cone of shame too. Look, if we had the cone, the cone, the cone of, of silence. I love that movie. I'll, I'll so. tell you, the cone of silence, we'd have hardly anything going on because it'd be like, okay, anywho. Patrick, the cone of the cone of uh, shame. shame. For dogs. Cone of shame is completely cool too. Now that we've got, I want all the cones: waffle, cake, all of the cones. So, Patrick, walk me through how many? How many do you think it needs to be? Uh oh, You're on mute. oh, we got the mute. We got the nope, mute. I'm just taking off my cone. Oh, of silence. yes. <laughs> oh my God! It's I had our first movie. visual pun. Those of you who are joining the podcast version, that's going to be interesting to hear. It'll be just silence. Those of you who had the visual all recognize the problems of Zoom. All right, try it again. Yeah, totally. It's Friday. I'm a little goofy today. So um, with the, uh, so, so the way I see it is there's different levels of shared understanding. So um, for example, if you are in a sprint, if you're on a scrum team, or if you have items in your triaged and ready for work column, if you're on a Kanban team, then 
the person who has picked up the story has a certain level of shared understanding. So that person may be working with the product owner and an example we were talking about offline is an aircraft carrier. So that, that person, if, if the ticket is to build an aircraft carrier, that the person that's working on it may need to understand what exact planes need to be able to be on it, what the torsion of the, of, of the, launch, of the launch cable is, you know, Ooh. how many decks need to be on it. But um, everybody on the team Third. should understand, yeah, everybody on the team should understand that that aircraft carrier is full scale. It's meant to be used in a certain way, maybe Pacific versus Atlantic theaters. Um, and I'm really showing my history nerd card here, but it's fine. But the uh, but there should be where 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 I kind of where I disagree with Patton is that everybody on the team, even though they shouldn't know every single detail that the person working on it should, they should at least have an idea of what it is. So that that way, if there's a conflict or something or a dependency realized or a reprioritization, the context is there so that the team can operate successfully. Yeah, I, I would agree with that though, Patrick. I think that's that's the, the level of the team needing an understanding where maybe someone, someone in the team is building a destroyer and someone else is building a minesweeper, right? Uh, not the, the, the clicky thing on the Microsoft <laughs> uh, Windows, but they need to understand what, capabilities the aircraft carrier has so that they are able to fit into the battle group well, right? Um, one, of the, one of the things we talked about though was the question, the point at which you find your shared understanding is not your shared understanding. So for example, we get into a story, I go talk to the product owner because I believe in conversations over documentation. We sit down and, and I say, you know, well, gosh, Rudy, I thought this was a 116th model. And you say, no, a real aircraft carrier that flings planes out over the, and I, I think you used the word prosecute, uh, planes out of the ocean to prosecute in a particular theater of war. And like, wow, okay. Now, at the point in time that we agree that that's what it really is, my concern is that we've just pulled the rug out from underneath the team commitment as part of this process, right? And this is one of those edge conditions where you hope the explanation is, is good enough and full enough that by the time, because at the end of every sprint planning, I actually traditionally go to each person and say, as a member of this team, do you commit, not as an individual, but as a member of this team, do you commit to getting all of this done in this sprint? And if if after the fact, we suddenly go from a 160th model to a you know a full-size aircraft carrier, we've kind of undone that commitment. So we have we have an obligation to go back to the team and say, we've come up with a new understanding based on this. That's not going to, that's going to be not very common. Right? Well, I think, I think it's important to note though, that, that uh, the scrum guide has addressed that very pragmatic situation by saying, look, let's stop talking about these as commitments because you are going to uncover things. And we want to encourage that if it breaks your commitment to uncover things, we are at cross purposes, right? We have some cognitive dissonance there in the team. Yep. So now they're saying it's a forecast. This is what we forecast to do. And guess what? A weather system rolled in and it's a full-size aircraft carrier. That's yep. That messed everything up. No, no, I'll no, say, no, you go. <laughs> I'll say it is, it, to me, it goes back to the, if we have an understanding and lo and behold, we don't have an understanding. If it goes back, you're go back to the documenting what's going on, just to say, to give everybody else the shared understanding. Yes, there's still documentation in Scrum. Yes, there's still documentation in Agile. All we're trying to do is make sure that we get closer to that common understanding. And if that means 
that in in scrum that that sprint is now blown up that's okay because then you can say the reason why this is all messed up is because now we have a better understanding so, so i didn't i didn't and i hate this phrase but i didn't disagree with that statement <laughs> <laughs> which means he did yeah, I agree. <laughs> um because I, to me, I said that it's fairly rare. And yes, you then go back into the retrospective and you figure out why that was the case. A forecast, I agree with the principle of a forecast and forecasts in certain places on the earth are pretty easy, right? I mean, you, you go to the, the uh, North Pole, it's gonna be today, it's gonna be cold and probably snowing, right? And that's pretty accurate most of the time. Um, although, you know, I'd like my forecasts to be reasonably predictable. We're back to predictable. If we regularly find stuff in the middle of our uh, sprint that isn't represented adequately by the story or the acceptance criteria, then I want to drag that into the retrospective, which is like, hey, guys, for the last six sprints, we've regularly blown up or decreased the size of things significantly. And so what's going on with that? I did want to say one last thing, Justin, made me think about it. I actually like stories, but the cone of uncertainties, you work further down the thing. If I found a story at the bottom of the stack that says something like, take out the trash with nothing else in it, I'd say perfect, <laughs> right? Because it's back to this idea that don't refine things you may never do. Like in my case, I don't want to do that. Take out the trash. So, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to put that off forever. But um, at some point in time, as it wor works farther up the chain, then you are going to have to put in time and the uncertainty about what you're talking about narrows at that point right and yep. take out the trash then becomes and separate you know recyclables from non-recyclables and don't put this other thing in don't put in hazardous materials and you know so it gets you know ac is you know don't put in fluorescent bulbs and stuff but that's later on when we finally say we're going to accept that you know and then in the case of take the take out the trash you try to get some other team member to do it because they're better well yeah. i think we run into often by issue. saying i don't understand how to do this i i, I shouldn't be the one i could pair with right? somebody if you, you want but... <laughs> well you know because here's the thing you run into teams where you have one product owner and multiple stakeholders who all have a vested interest in the success of, uh, of what the team is working on and the stakeholders tend to have a as important voice as the product owner so it's one of those where you have to continue to have the conversation. And it, I think it goes back to the principles, conversations. If you're having them, cool. Doc, and if it's a conversation that Mark, Mark and I are having and say, Justin is the stakeholder who's a prime, you know, has a prime interest in the success of this specific backlog item. Mark and I have the conversation. We're still, we still owe it to ourselves and the team to document what, what came of it so that we're, there are no surprises. There are no surprises for the product owner. There's no pro, uh, surprises for the stakeholders, the customer. Everybody knows. That doesn't mean you do it in a vacuum and it's like, yeah, so, you know, Justin told me to go uh, go do this at two in the morning. Why might be a completely different issue. Halfway through that soliloquy, Patrick, you had that that telltale uh, look at right. <laughs> so you, you, you did a head. Right. <laughs> and now I wish I could remember what that was. <laughs> I think it was something about the stakeholder influence on this on the story. Oh yes, that's, that's right. Yes, thank you. So yeah, stake, ultimately, I'm in your head, Patrick. Doing a good job. Those stakeholders aren't coming to the team, and so true, true, true. true. But yeah. it's one of those where right in that 
stakeholders are still going to be talking to the product owner. The product owner is still representing mm-hmm. the stakeholders. Absolutely. Right. We all know teams where there are some stakeholders who have way more sway than just, you know, the product owner does. The stakeholder does skip around the process or the stakeholder does, you know, lean heavily into the impact that I have with the team. They don't just show up for a sprint review and go, looks good. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the, wow, that isn't what I was thinking of at all. Yeah, they may show up and stand up and say, you're doing it wrong. But, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I think... <laughs> So I think that, um, yeah, like if I ultimately, I think in that particular case, that's more of a coaching session for the product owner um, to try to get ahead of the stakeholders. Um, But I think that, you know, even in a situation kind of going back to what we were talking about, about different levels of shared understanding, even getting into a situation where you have people like in a team I work in um, having largely independent work. And it's a Kanban team and largely, you know, one person works on one thing for the most part. Um, we still would owe it to each other. Like for example, uh, the scope of one story I'm working on shifted and Sonny, who is the product owner is also a friend of the pod. You can find him on other episodes. Um, uh, I basically said, you know, we had a conversation and, and we owe it to the team to say, we had a conversation about this and the scope shifted. Yeah, Patrick, I'm going to say, I I think we need to actually start having a section in every podcast where it's, and this podcast is brought to you by Patrick, who's going to mention that we're talking about other podcasts. (laughs) And I want to, I want to make a connection here between several different things, because I think it's important. I just got two kittens. Sonny just had a new kid. And I would say that pets, kids, and stakeholders, you better be one step ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So how much, let's go back to one thing, not only how much, but what type of information is needed on a backlog item? Because it's enough, right? Okay. So if we've decided that enough is to, to at least someone on the team has enough common understanding with the product owner to do the work, what type of information does that need to be? I'll follow that up with where is it in the backlog? Fair enough. Uh, we'll say for argument's sake in this example, it is high enough in the backlog to where it could go into the current sprint or it will go into the next sprint. Well, so that so, means it's past the definition of ready. Yeah. Oh, Which yeah. We, had, we hadn't actually talked about. Mm. So let's go, Mark. It's good. wow definition of ready definition of ready i always uh say to people is not an absolute it's not a gate it's a set of standard things you apply to all stories it is going to be up to the team as to what their definition is going to be it can't be too complicated and binding and like i said it isn't an absolute which is let's suppose that you say we don't want to have dependencies and yet you do have a dependency and yet you work with a team where generally they come through and they've already committed to getting it to you early enough in the sprint that you can finish the story. As a team, you say, great, then we'll take it in. Even though we know there's a dependency, we don't yet have the ability to finish it. You've been assured that it's going to be okay. Like I said, it shouldn't be too complicated. It should be fairly universal. And the point of a definition of ready for me is to avoid these kinds of uh, uncertainties later on in which the shared understanding, you know, it's been pointed, those basic things, right? And that you 
the, the nice thing about a definition of ready, and we've seen this already, is you apply it to stakeholders and others. Uh, I had a team recently that found a whole bunch of stuff in their sprint being pushed down from another team. They didn't even have to say mm. in it. It was suddenly yeah, yeah. in their sprint. Yep. And the product or the, the dev manager was saying to me, I don't even know what these things are. And I said, then they violated your definition of ready. And I will go with you to go back and find out how to have that never happen again. Um, and part of it is to educate the person who did it as to what definition of ready is and the concept of the sprint boundary. Especially when it's a stakeholder for another team comes in and tries to insert it because it's like, well, it's important to me. Okay, first off, stakeholder, did you have a conversation with the product owner? Right? And, and if two, the answer is why no. Why is the other team doing it? Well, that that's another thing. It, it could be that it's it's completely valid that that team should be working on it. But let's start with the, have you, have you met the product owner? So Justin, it looked like you wanted to drop in with something. I'm just wanting to make sure that you got your point in. No, no, no. This, this is I, I'm I'm tracking to all of this. It's good. <laughs> I, I just uh, I think there's there's one thing around shared understanding versus outcome um, that I wanted to ask this group the hypothetical of well we all had a shared understanding and throughout the sprint when it was delivered the outcome was different than our shared understanding but it solved the problem that was stated right we all thought we were going to solve this with a brand new API. It ended up we just needed to adjust a couple endpoints to our existing APIs. Right? Um, it solves the problem, but it's different than our shared understanding. And you're demoing it now. Uh, I really hope that's a kind of dysfunctional, in my opinion. Like you shouldn't be demoing <laughs> to your team the thing. But um, but let's just say, like the, the hypothetical again, right? Like you've solved the problem that was stated but it's the outcome of that solution is much different than was the shared understanding. That's implementation versus story itself, right? The, the problem statement should be in the story. Implementation yeah. could change. And I'm really glad you asked that actually, because that's something that, that popped into my head and my over-caffeinated brain's like, yeah, talk about it now, um, which is that the, um, the, the shared understanding of the solution um, would happen probably either within the sprint or much later in the sprint where like the shared understanding what we're talking about with backlog refinement, we need to know what the problem space is. Not necessarily exactly the calls that this API needs to make and in what format, but why does this API need to exist in the first place? And I, I have to quote Molly here. I've quoted her before in the podcast, but I want to quote her again. When she said one day, I love the sound of us not doing something. <laughs> but I think I think this piece is critical is that it it has to be enough and if this the path that that story takes you on is not the one you expected but the product owner is happy that you did it that the stakeholders get value that the customer gets value who cares right well, it it might be that you change everything about that story because you thought it was you know, you thought it was a five, it ended up being a three, but you solved the problem that was part of the why you were doing this and everybody's cool. That's why it's the, the path to me, it all boils down to that common understanding is between the person who's working on it and the person who's needing it done. If everything's groovy there, it doesn't matter how. Well, I think there's a, go. Oh. Oh, thank you. I, I think there's a there's a thing though I, I heard someone say once, which is it depends. And when 
how it applies to yeah we don't listen to that wow (laughs) throwing it depends at me that's awesome well because i think it does and i I think where it oh throwing depends at you no i I would never do that that's disgusting (laughs) wow where it enters into this conversation (laughs) is that i i agree with you brett to a point and i think it depends on where in the cone of uncertainty where in the team's process that is all happening right um I, I do think that there's something to be said for there's a shared understanding and then there's information draftiness, right? Where I don't want that information. I, can, I just can't escape it because I'm part of this team and you guys won't stop talking about it, right? Um, so there is that there's a balance there. And I think the from a team commitment and let's talk scrum from a team commitment or team forecast at the beginning of a sprint, the team needs to be able to say, I've got enough that I, I feel comfortable that that forecast isn't saying, you know, it's it's Arizona in the summer and we're going to have snow. Like, oh, I don't agree. And so I'm not I'm not going to join in with you. Right. I'm going to write a dissenting paper somewhere. Now now I'm mixing my metaphors. Oh my God. Uh, Supreme Court <laughs> forecasts uh, the weather. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, yeah. But yeah, I think there's there's uh, like I was getting to, I, I guess, really, there is um, there's a balance depending on where you're at. So if I'm in sprint planning with my team, um, I don't think it's information draft to tell me how you want to solve this thing because I might be working on something close re- closely related. And if I'm relying on you building a new API for my, for my work and you end up only adding a few endpoints to existing APIs, now my work yeah. loses value. Right. Sure. Um, but if we're talking about refinement, so let's take a, you know, back in time, right. If we're talking about refinement and, and you're start starting to talk about how you would create a new API and it would live on this service and we would you know we would monitor it with these things and who's got a, who's got the swagger page and where do we want to put our swagger page I'd be like ah, I don't care why are we talking about this here right that's drafty it, that's information draft and and I I don't want it so as you I think as you progress but again it's what's the team's level of appetite for that much shared understanding right and there's, there's a difference, too, between shared understanding of the problem and constraint of, of innovation. And I think that if, and it's funny, Mark and I have actually had a couple conversations with another product owner that works with us, the same person, Sonny, um, about, uh, sorry, Sonny, if you're listening, I'm going to call you out here. Um, <laughs> a couple times, he proposed the entire solution within tickets that we were doing. And so yeah. we had to say, okay, okay wait a second. You know, yeah. so now it's kind of a running joke with us, but yeah, the, why, uh, Sharep- why SharePoint? Why not this? Why not that? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're like, whoa, tell us what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> right. right. And I think, I think that goes back to a coaching thing, right? You have yeah. to coach your product owners. Don't tell me how to do it. You don't want me to, you don't want to tell me how to make sausage. I'm the one who's making the sausage. I get to decide how we do it. No, that I'm you want sausage is your job. There was, there was one group of people on the marketing side that we worked with where they wanted to write their stories. And what I recommended to them is write the first part and the third part of the story, but not the middle part. Because the middle part, they kept getting bound up. It's, it, mm. um, so when I automated a bed and breakfast at one point, because all they ever used was a spreadsheet for tracking everything, I said what they'd want is a better spreadsheet, right? they didn't understand how the software could potentially help them in so many different ways, double checking the work that they did and everything else. So I didn't, uh, I didn't go and ask them 
you know, what kind of spreadsheet do you want? What I said is what wastes your time every day? And it was from right. that I was able to design something that wouldn't deliver, let them get in that state. And it's a similar kind of a, a situation here, right? Well, and this is this is where the obligatory quote from Henry Ford comes in, which is if, if we let the customer dictate everything we build, they get faster horses. Okay, so we're at a place. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Or do you think we've we've beat this horse, turned it into glue, put it on envelopes, and we're ready to go? I think we got the faster horse, as previously mentioned, and then beat it to death. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and envelopes. With an aircraft carrier. And <laughs> Just a 116th scale model, not a real thing. <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. I'm Patrick. I'm Justin. I'm Mark Rovan. I'd like to uh, add, uh, this is my last podcast. I am moving on. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for uh, listening in the audience. Um, I'll say that there have been podcasts where I've gotten partway into a discussion with people and had a realization that further refined my understanding of it. So it's been super useful to me. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. I hope you've learned something. And if you haven't learned something, I hope you've at least uh, been entertained. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can always contact me if you'd like. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next iteration, you can give us a rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup.